we've got a great rant on tonight and we're going to be talking about um, uh, commission splits that real estate agents get paid which uh, which matters uh, the various different models um, that are emerging a lot of these new internet cloud-based type businesses that basically give a real estate agent some sort of a back end um, and having the ability to maybe have a business without all the uh, headaches of running a business. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about um, the pyjama culture that uh, emerges every time we've gone into lockdown and you've got to be very careful that you don't fall onto that pyjama slope where you know, you're still wearing pyjamas at 10 o'clock in the morning because uh, you've come out of your normal routine. So we're going to touch on that. We're also going to talk about um, the great divide that's happening in real estate between pros and the amateurs and those that are making money and those that are struggling. And um, um, I'm also going to touch on a very important subject, and that is that my, uh, my heart is with all the Melbourne real estate uh, agents the Victorian uh, industry that uh, has uh, just begun the beginning of a six-week block in lockdown, uh, a feeling that we all experienced a few months ago. And um, it must be a little bit disheartening, a little bit like maybe having overcome an illness and then, you know, being told that the illness has uh, come back and, and um, you know, that you're sick again. Actually, I think that's worse. Um, lockdown, like, let's be quite clear. I mean, with lockdown, one of the positive things that came out of lockdown is this nonsense of people being just average real estate people. They had to become good and they had to get really good with qualifying people. And the reason why is that you couldn't basically get through as many people um, inspecting properties privately as you can with open for inspection. So one of the things I've got to say, every agent that I've spoken to in Australia and New Zealand during the lockdown period, they said that they uh, liked the fact that when they met a property uh, buyer um, doing a property inspection, that these buyers were far more qualified. So the conversion rate, the conversion rate of having a buyer buy a property was significantly higher during the COVID period. I mean, think about it. If a buyer is going to come out and actually go over the hoops of social distancing, you've got someone that is pretty certain that they are out there in the market looking to buy a property. So don't underestimate the value of that. There's a silver lining in that. So, um, and by the way, before I begin today's lesson on the Sunday night rant, can I just let people know if you are going to film an auction on a Saturday or take video snaps of the activity that you're doing, please understand that you don't want the government to be looking at videos on social media saying to themselves, well, there's another problem that we need to address. Big crowds with real estate agents. And there was a number of videos that were sent to me in the last 24 hours from real estate agents who had actually filmed. And look, I film two or three auctions every Saturday. And I get it. There are times when you say to people, can you please socially distance? And people don't social distance. They don't move. But may you ensure 
that there are a couple of factors that you can do to actually help the situation. And that is set yourself up for success with social distancing. And what does that mean? Don't hold an auction inside a property if you don't have to. And in most instances, you can hold a property auction on the outside. Holding an auction on the inside is not intelligent. And it's actually even further dumber to actually go stream it to the world and have people like, you know, Daniel Andrews or Gladys Berejiklian or whatever the name of the boss in Queensland is, be able to see it when you've got people that complain because they already hate real estate agents and then they send stuff in to the government. So if we want to minimize the impact of COVID-19 in the real estate industry, we must take a leadership role, critical. So, and yes, before anyone jumps in, you might turn around and go and spend through the next, you know, two hours looking at all the video content that I've got there and you may find an instance where someone is not next to each other. But I can tell you, I stress it three or four times during all my auctions, please socially distance. And I'll also tell anyone that's holding the camera or the video phone, hey, David, and you agree 100% because you're a smart guy and you know, you know that there are people watching. So tell the videographer, please, if you are going to actually capture this auction, don't show an area of an auction where there is seven people congregated together um, as if they're at a pub having a drink. And those drongos at Bondi, once again, 100 people there, house party with their phones out telling the world, hey, we're having a good time. Pretty stupid. So guys and girls, let's talk about this. Um, subject. The first thing I want to let you know is that I've noticed in the last month or two, and many of you know, Josh Tesselin did it on Friday. There's, I'm not going to go off and name everyone else. I'll name Josh because he's got the profile at the moment because he's had a lot of sales and a lot of success in the last one year. He's gone off and he's opened up an office, but there are people leaving businesses, joining other businesses. There are people leaving businesses, opening up offices. There are people that um, I get contacted every week thinking of joining um, these new different internet models that um, have sort of been there anyway. Some of these have come to Australia for the first time. Others have actually done a bit of a pivot and added a cloud uh, solution to their model, which allows a real estate agent to pretty much get access to the services like realestate.com, CoreLogic RP data, domain, DocuSign, um, you know, some CRM systems. And um, what they do is they pay a very small fee for that or they pay a small percentage of the commission and they keep most of it. So I want to talk about that, you know, whether they're the way to go. But what I can say to you is that every 15 years in the real estate industry, something happens which is a major shift, right? So we first saw that in the 80s. In the 80s, the concept of franchising emerged and franchises started growing everywhere across Australia and New Zealand. We started seeing franchise salespeople go out, recruit officers, and we saw the emergence of the franchise brand 
cooperatives as well, networks, if you want to call them. So that happened, that happened around the 1980s. Then 15 years later, we saw the next, so every 15 years, you'll notice every 15 years, there's this big radical change. 15 years later, we actually saw the internet come into real estate and the impact of, you know, the big portals like realestate.com and domain.com. And now what we're seeing is, um, as real estate agents scramble to make a profit, make a decent living out of the industry, being attracted to a higher commission split. So when I was in real estate and when I opened up my office um, back in the, uh, you know, like I was 20, 21, 22 years of age um, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, I want to let you know, salespeople's splits were around the 35%. That's what salespeople were paid, 35%, 65% went to the office. Subsequently, as time has gone by and the value of a good salesperson has gone up and um, um, great salespeople are a commodity that everyone wants. Everyone wants what I call a fanatical uh, prospector. Everyone wants what I call a listing freak. Everyone wants good people. And what we learned is that salespeople's value went up and that went up to around 50%. Of course, many of these new models, and I'm not going to go off and mention, um, there's probably about 10 that I know of across Australia. Um, you know, they're offering uh, close to 100% of the fee, some of them. Uh, there are, you know, strings attached, of course, if you read the fine print. And uh, some of them are paying, you know, uh, 80%, you know, others pay, you pay a fee at settlement. What I can say to you, everyone watching this is, uh, uh, don't just look at the number. And it's no different when you're selling your listing presentation, it's not just about the fee. Um, there's more to it. There's the terms and there's the conditions and um, there's everything that comes with it. And what I want to let you know that I'm not going to take a position and say um, that one model is better than another. But what I will say to you is that do not, do not make a decision based purely on the commission split. And the reason I say that is that if you're a salesperson at the moment, right, and hypothetically, you're doing like one sale a month, right? And you're sort of saying, hey, you know, I do one sale a month and one sale a month works out to me getting $20,000 commission. So I do 12 sales a year, 12 sales a year works out to me bringing $240,000 and I might be on a split of 50%. So I end up making $120,000 roughly, we're talking, you know, just approximate figures. So then you turn around and say, hey, if I went into one of these models, um, um, and I was paid more, I'd make more than 120. I might make 180, right? So here's the deal. Generally speaking, a real estate agent that is a high performing agent is not on 50%. Be very clear about that. So what you will end up having is this pattern where a lot of the people that are making less sales will be attracted to these models because they'll have a look at, hey, that's what I can do. That's all I can do. So how do I keep more of what I can do, which is really a strategy on cost reduction.
And what I'll say is growth to me is about making more sales. That should be your focus. How do I make more sales? It's got more to do with getting efficient, getting intelligent, becoming effective at actually having the capacity to take that one sale a month and maybe doing two to three sales a month. That's where you'll get more of the value. So what I'd like to say to people that are watching this is understand that when you're actually making a decision, please understand the ultimate thing has to be about you improving, not about you necessarily just cutting your costs. And what I mean by cost, how much you pay to the office right? You've got to start looking at, hey, how can I get my productivity from 12 to 24 sales a year or from 24 sales to 36 sales a year? And I can tell you, I have plenty of clients and plenty of my real estate gym members are doing 100 sales a year. And when we start talking about 100 sales a year, all of a sudden, factors that matter include culture, support services in the back end. They do matter. And in addition to that, what you're looking at is, is the brand that you're working for a magnet that has attraction in the marketplace, which means that it's visible and has people that may contact that brand. All these factors come into play. For me, the word culture is about the personality of a business. Does that business get you to actually perform at a better level? And what COVID-19 showed over the last four months is that there is a group of people that can work independently without having to be in an office every minute of the day. No question about it. There's a small group of people that are self-driven, that know how to manage free time. I'm going to repeat that. One of the biggest challenges that I know in the real estate industry is that people leave the corporate world or leave some other service sector and they have been given tasks to do and then they're in real estate and they're on their own and they've got to learn the art of managing free time. And what I can clearly tell you is that the experiment has failed miserably for many of those people who were going to Bunnings Hardware at 11 o'clock, who were having lunch at 1 o'clock till 3 o'clock each day, and who were still wearing, you know, their pyjamas for half their day going to a couple of appointments. That's one of the things that I will say to you that an office environment does provide is culture. Now, before anyone jumps on me and says, no, you don't need to have an office to have a culture, I agree with that. But there are a lot of people that simply cannot operate efficiently unless they have other people around them in an office environment. And I can tell you, most of my learning, most of my learning that I got through my life getting into the workforce as a 20, 21 year old was done through observational learning. Observational learning is when you are in an office environment and you see another person who is doing better than you and who is making more sales than you and has been around longer than you and you're, what you're doing is you're watching at the little hacks that they have, the little strategies, tips, the dialogue that they're using, their operating pattern. This is called observational learning and observational learning happens when there are people physically near by, right? And um, 
There are certain jobs that you don't need observational learning um, in the physical sense. Like I can pretty much tell you, if you are a CFO now in a big multinational company, yes, you may, may likely be able to do your job without actually being in the office too often. If you're a coder in the technology field, maybe that would apply as well. But there are certain jobs where being in an office environment matters. Um, so I also want to let you know that um, um, one of the things that people underestimate is the structure of their business. And this is a topic I'm gonna to touch on lightly today, but this actually needs a whole module. And it actually needs me to have um, solicitors involved and accountants involved. And I plan to do that in the 30-day bootcamp where we're gonna sit down and actually go through letters of appointment and independent contractor models. And the reason I say it is that a lot of the problems that I have when a real estate agent leaves an office and wants to go set up a business, part of the problem that's created as they leave is the paperwork that they had in place with their previous employer. It is a big issue. And I want you to understand that fundamentally there are two ways that a real estate salesperson is employed in a real estate business. They are either an employee of that business and they have a letter of appointment and that letter of appointment basically says, we do this for you, you do this for us. But you are pretty much owned by that business. And I want you to understand the data and all the intellectual property and all the contacts that have actually come out of your employment in that business whilst you've been an employee with that letter of appointment is actually the ownership of the office. Whereas an independent contractor is someone who more or less has set up a business within the business and there is necessary paperwork that will entail what you are entitled to when you leave that business. And what I can tell you is that if you are an independent contractor, you will probably have less support in the business than you are an employee but you will have far more flexibility and you will probably have even better tax effective structures that are going to ensure that you're able to manage your money a lot better. And I'm going to let you know that what we're going to do in our 30 day bootcamp, yes, here is the infomercial. We are going to spend a lot of time talking about getting your paperwork done right. Every problem I've had with a real estate agent is because the paperwork was not done right. And there are many people that are watching this right now that should be independent contractors. And there are many people that should actually not be an independent contractor. That really depends on the model that your office has got in terms of the support services it provides. For instance, I know that there are real estate agents that get paid 45 or 50% splits instead of getting say 70%. But you know what? It's still good value for them because that office has got incredible marketing resources available to them. That office has got incredible practices and an admin support system, which basically means it's set and forget and they can spend their time listing, selling, negotiating, 
keeping deals together. And I want you to understand. I want you to understand. By the way, someone, Chris, just said, when does the boot camp start? On the 20th of July. It is $199 and you get three months real estate gym membership as well as part of it because I'm pretty certain once you get a taste of it, you're going to want to stay a gym member. But the 30-day boot camp, which includes Peter Switzer, Mark Burris, Mark McLeod, John McGrath, and all these other great girls and guys who are generally doing around 100 deals a year are going to be contributing. And we're also going to have Josh Tesselin, who's going to do his A to Z listing presentation in a total live role play, where he's going to go through from the minute he walks into the house to the minute he signs it up, selling the marketing, defending your fee, and going through the phase one, phase two approach. So um, what's my point? My point is certain people should be an independent contractor that are not. And there are certain people that should probably be an employee. And I want you to understand, don't always think the grass is greener. The only grass that's greener all the time is fake grass. So the other thing I'd like to say to you is that Please understand when you do leave, when you do leave a business, you are, depending on the paperwork that you've got set up with that business, you may get legally bullied. And I want you to understand it is not something that you've got to lose sleep over because I can tell you it's pretty standard practice that, you know, letters from a lawyer is a good strategy to slow someone's behavior up. Will it stand in court? Well, it depends on what your paperwork is like. So as Shane Beaumont says, 100%, there is lots of bullshit out there. So um, guys and girls, a couple of other things I want to share with you today is that, um, um, oh, that was an interesting thing. By the way, I all want you, I all want you to uh, read a book called Skin in the Game. The author's first name is Naseeb, but he makes some very, very valid points. And that is that if you can understand some of the things that go on in life with, you know, like here's an example, and this is not me making some, you know, political or racial st statement, but an interesting concept that he talks about in the book is that 4% um, of Americans roughly are Muslims, yet 100% I think of the meat or close to it is halal. Now, don't quote me exactly, but roughly the numbers. And the reason why is there's a term, it's called the powerful minority. And what it essentially says is, why would that happen? Why would it happen when only a small group of people care whether meat is halal or not? It's very simple because the remaining 96% don't care that much. It makes no difference to them. So what actually happens is you don't get the majority that rule, you get the minority because the majority might not care about an issue. And having an understanding of these psychological laws that happen in our world, there's just one example, right? Can help you pretty much move forward in business and in life and have a better understanding of the context of the world that you live in by simply understanding the dynamics of these things. A couple of other things I want to talk about uh, before I finish off here today. It is 8.56. I've been going for 25, uh, 25 uh, uh, minutes. Um, is Let me see. Taxation. We're going to we'll cover that in the gym. Um, 
guys, you know what? I'm done. I think I've said what I've needed to say. Um, I want to let you know that um, don't underestimate, don't underestimate the structure that you run your real estate business and whether you run it as a corporation, as a company, will have, particularly now, as company tax rates are going down. So I want to say, hey, Mark, congratulations. I love your office, Mark Novak. Um, greetings to Panayoti from Greece. He's at Lefkada Island right there. You know what? My diary says I should be there as well, but that's not going to happen. Trevor Bowen, who's a firefighter that's riding 720 grand a year and still working 40 hours. Manos, good to see you. There is never one fit or your engagement must match the agent's DNA um, guys and girls that is enough said and you know what I want to do I just want to finish off and let you know if you have any symptom get tested get tested end of story this is one of the few Ill like cancer man a lot of the times there's no control it becomes your problem and it's not your fault. But this is really clear, COVID-19. You practice social distancing, you wash your hands, you do what you gotta do, bang, you suffocate the disease. You let become complacent, it grows. Even, listen, and I'm not gonna have a crack at Daniel Andrews, right? Because the last thing you wanna do is make changes to a management team, right, in a time of chaos, because when you make another appointment, but even he has said, knowing what he knows today, he probably would have acted differently on certain decisions and things that he's said along the way, and some of the practices that have been very sloppy, having security guards, having sex with people that are being in quarantine, and the fact that he wasn't a little bit firmer and said to people, listen, if you go off and join big marches, don't worry, you're not gonna get fined. He's, you know, he's sort of changed his view a little bit now, knowing that, you know, they're getting nearly 300 infections a day for the last few days in Melbourne. Here's the point. The point is we are all connected. We are like neurons. We're connected to one person, connected to one person. So what you do matters. So every time I see a dickhead out there who puts his hand out and shakes, listen, don't do that. Don't put your hand out and shake people. Don't make it uncomfortable for the other person, right? Just think about things. Let's suffocate this thing. Let's squeeze it and get rid of this virus because we've done a super job and so did the Kiwis. We did an incredible job on this planet and what we don't want to do is to go backwards and go into a lockdown for another one or two, three, four months or whatever it's got to be. Let's just suffocate this bloody illness and what you do matters. So understand, things get better by choice, not by chance. No one's coming to the rescue. We can all save ourselves. Oh, before I end this broadcast, Susan's got the link in there to join the program. Love, this is our last week of sign-ups because we start next week.